Hello, you're listening to The Bulletin, the podcast from the St. Andrews Economist. My name is Elliot Vavitsis, and today I'm speaking with Editor-in-Chief Lucy Wright about her recent analysis of Netflix's show Made and its links to economic inequality. Lucy, how are you today? I'm doing good, thank you, Elliot. Thank you for uh, inviting me onto the show. I'm really excited to discuss my recent article um, and, like you say, the links uh, with this show to um, the economic issues that it brings up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just so made, I believe is a, it's a it's a Netflix special, right? So I mean, do you want to tell us a bit about the show and you know kind of what the plot and and how it kind of links into economic issues? Of course, yeah. So um, made is a Netflix uh, show. It's a series. There's um, I think ten episodes in total, um, and it's based off the memoir by Stephanie Land, um, who documented her experiences living in. Uh, relative poverty in the US and her time um, as a single mother um, and her experiences trying to provide for her daughter um, living on the breadline and working as a maid um, cleaning the the houses of of people on the other side of the huge economic um, divide and the the inequality um, and sort of documenting that experience and so made really is two stories uh one is the story um of a heartbreaking escape from abuse um in the show alex who is the protagonist um she escapes um an emotionally and and potentially physically abusive relationship um and it also shows a mother's love for her daughter how she um sacrifices so much of herself to build this life for for her daughter maddie um who is um, three years old in the show um, and and the other side of, of the story is the precariousness of, of a life in poverty in the US um, and how the systems and the stigma trap people um, in in this cycle of poverty um, and it illuminates the the dark truth of what it does take to survive um, in today's inequitable society. Right. And that's that's a very interesting topic. It's very I mean, it's it's very dark, but also, I think, enlightening to a certain extent, because it, I guess would you would you say that it very much uh, it's a the visualization of these economic inequalities and struggles, you know, uh, one 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 could have definitely definitely brings attention to the, you know, is the policy economic policy that we have currently, you know, in the West and, you know, what we what spreads throughout the world. Is it really effective? What would you say that? Exactly. I think ultimately this show illuminates how much someone has to tightrope across all of the red tape that's that's put in place um, in these systems that are supposed to support people going through these, um, you know, the most awful times that that someone can go through. Um, And there's just catch 22 after catch 22 um, as she's trying to navigate her way through these these social security and safety nets um she works so hard she um you know gets this job um as a maid but it's not enough uh you know the the income that she works and the hours that she works just aren't enough to financially liberate her um and there's just constant challenges from the childcare system the legal system the housing market um and and she's jumping through all of these hoops but nothing seems to to work and and if you've watched the show, you'll know that that Alex is depicted as incredibly intelligent, incredibly resourceful. Um, and I think it just shows that 
you know, despite these sort of positive virtues that she has, she still can't overcome um, the difficulties that that the system presents to her. Um, and it just really shows how how broken it is and, and how easily someone can fall through the cracks. Um, and so I think that this show is really um, poignant, especially in today's sort of economic climate where there are so many people um, living, you know, over the poverty line. And these anxieties that we see on screen are reflecting the economic realities of, of a growing number of people in our societies. Right. And so and so when you you mentioned in I think an article and just now to me mentioned the idea of relative relative poverty. Could you like el- elaborate a little bit more about that? And how is, is that more relevant to developed economies or can that happen anywhere? Yeah. So, I mean, when we talk about poverty, we've got to be um, aware of which context we're talking about it in. Um, and so the challenges that are presented to the, the sort of poorest um, people in developed societies are very different to those in developing economies. Um, and so when we talk about relative poverty, um, we're talking about in the context of that economy. Um, and I think that ultimately it comes down to the question of how can you have such a rich country and still have poor people in that country who can't you know, provide for themselves the basic necessities? They can't meet their rent. They can't provide food for themselves and their families um and I think that this sort of the the bifurcation of poverty sort of the absolute poverty that we see in developed economies there are different problems and different solutions um but ultimately by focusing on the the problems of developed economies we can see that there are systems in place um and that's what makes it more relative we're not you know, we're not seeing the same problems um, as you would in a developing economy where there is absolutely no system at all. Um, and people are, you know, the struggles are so different, but it's still highlighting how these systems aren't enough or there's something amiss within the system that is just failing the people who it's it's built to support. Um, yeah, so and w- what what would you say though so obviously there was because we've we're in this place very recently also the COVID pandemic probably highlights it best is that we're in this place where you know um wealth around the globally is higher than it's ever been before that yet we get stories um analogous to the one like you wrote about in your article about Netflix uh made and and so what's 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 holding us back from you know re- readjusting our ec- economic system, especially in a period of time, which a lot of you know, even smart economists have come in and say, oh, we're in a tr- transitionary period, whether you want to talk about inflation or markets or whatever, what's holding them back? Yeah, so I think the naive answer to this question is to just say, oh, we simply just don't give enough money, right? We, If we gave more money um, to these, these problems, then it would all be fixed. But I think and I think it is really frustrating to see the cuts that have been observed um, in the developed economies like the US, the UK, um, especially following the financial crisis of OA um, and the fears that COVID is going to engender a similar sort of pathway of policy um, of austerity and more cuts to try and balance the budget elsewhere. Um, but I think we need to be clever about how we address these issues. Um, I don't think just simply throwing money at, at the systems that are already broken is really going to fix the underlying problems within them. 
um I wish I had the answers of how you would do that um but ultimately I think more attention needs to be placed on studies of human capital and economics um health and education are so vital um and you can see that in sort of the more recent developments in the US with um Biden's sort of huge infrastructure um proposals where he is integrating this sort of soft human capital um especially with the early early years development where you can get such a huge marginal um value um for for what you put in in those early stages of um a child's life um and i think just kind of looking at these um more more closely looking at the the system and and having this systematic overhaul um i think that that is really going to attack the problem at the root rather than just putting a plaster over it um and i think that you know building more equitable growth models um and finding more effective ways of redistributing not only resources but opportunities for people so that um we're not stuck with a situation where people aren't able to thrive um in societies that that present such opportunities um and i think just making people aware that these are the realities of people living in the richest countries um in the world um i think made does this incredible job of humanizing the experience of poverty um and it really brings to life what those anxieties and and those difficulties are um and i think a lot of people thankfully are far removed from relative poverty but but seeing it on the screen in that way of someone who you know they do everything right and yet still they can't overcome the exogenous circumstances that prevent them from from thriving um i hope that that inspires people to demand change and to look at things more closely and more critically so that so that we can you know aid the most vulnerable in our societies mm-hmm. and also so in in mid um it's you know the idea though of a social security net is it's 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 it come it comes up it is a topic that is worked into the plot of the story but ultimately that fails the uh story's main character so how 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 is a and and like you just mentioned you know it's uh our system how our systems and our economies distribute um opportunity and and uh equity and then whether that's equitable or not i guess i guess perhaps um in terms of social social security nets is that a system for example that maybe 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 is not uh that's not organized you know for the way the economy acts now as opposed to when it was first incepted yeah definitely i mean just looking at the the uk example um the child poverty action group highlights how 3. sorry 4.3 million children live in poverty um currently that's 31% of children um nine in a classroom of 30 and so when you when you look at those statistics um children can't escape their own economic reality that's something that, that's that's put on them um and and so much of this when you inquire further into the the statistics 49% of children who live in lone parent families are in poverty that's that's almost half of people who are you know and it's it's usually a single mother but obviously it can also be a single father and and that's because of this lack of the additional earner um they get lower maintenance payments 
there's issues of gender inequality potentially in employment um, and also in pay and then you've got the childcare costs where people are having to make the decision as to whether to accept the sort of benefits that are put in place um, that would aid the childcare um, or whether they work and and that that's something that's really important to note that I think it's eight million people in the UK who are in poverty are working families um, and so it's it's not enough um, you know job jobs and, and employment is supposedly the cure to poverty and yet so many people are still living this experience um, and so there's clearly something systematic there that the um, that the trade-off between employment and social security just isn't working for too many families um, and I think when when you look at across to to developing economies we really need to to think about what systems we've put in place in the richest countries and think is this how is this the kinds of models that we want to transport into economies that um you know they're developing their potential for human capital or do we want to create the institutions and the kind of growth that is prioritizing a more equitable share of wealth and distribution of resources um and so i think yeah essentially it, it it is the case that that too many of our um social security systems are just not fit for purpose anymore um and that a serious sort of look and overhaul similar to to what's happening contemporarily in the us um with the biden administration is so needed um in other in other developed economies too right and and so and so and also is that so you know it, that's actually interesting you mentioned developed economies because developed economies um you can his, historically and even potentially now is that they you know prioritize prioritize a uh, growth over you know a social security net and you know the, the i guess growth comes it's it's widely accepted that with growth comes uh, uh prosperity and social security but that's if the if the current I guess economic model that's now being you know I guess exported by wealthy countries if that if that's a right the right way, right way, way to say it does not uh, emphasize that and does not make that possible you know is is there even a chance is there is there even a chance for these developing economies to get to a place where you know they're able to enjoy some level of safety net for their uh, for the prosperity of their citizens but also enjoy high growth and are there are there trade offs there? Yeah, I think. I think when we when we look at sort of examples of economic history, um, again in the UK, when you look at sort of the the post-war period where there was a high level of inclusive growth um, and the social security uh, systems that we we currently experience in the UK, the NHS, um, the welfare state, sort of benefits, pensions. I think that there there was um, a much greater sense of community and a desire to redistribute and and this is why um sort of following the the war world war ii we collectively put in place sufficient safety nets for people uh, and this was this was broadly agreed upon and to an extent has still has still you know been a prevalent um element of, of british politics of you know, maintaining these social security uh, systems for the benefit of sort of human capital development. And as you say, that feeds into prosperity and feeds into growth. Um, but 
I think that there has been a shift societally um, in our values. I think we have, broadly speaking, become a lot less sociocentric in in our outlook to growth. Um, and you can see that by the rise in inequality that you know just seems to exacerbate. You've seen it in the pandemic, while so many people were pushed into poverty, um, the the incomes and wealth of the top sort of one percent, not point one percent rose. Um, and and we have to be active to put in place systems that redistribute that because we are going through a period where, especially when you consider the the challenges faced by globalization, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing by no means, but it does create a system where you've got winners and losers. Um, you've got sort of the, the rising threat of automization, which has already sort of, we've seen some of the impacts, but um, in the next sort of, few decades we're going to see even more um sort of strains placed on on um you know who wins and who loses who gets these opportunities who is able to benefit from this growth and who who misses out um and i think that the only way that we can ensure that this is a more equitable um sharing of the the future prosperity is to have those systems in place now um and to and to really think about what as societies we value um when we're when we're considering these solutions to these economic problems that we're going to face mm-hmm. that's that's a really interesting point because because you know um obviously you know uh going up to 2008 which i guess is you know uh, it's a big flashpoint in recent economic history every every everyone prioritized growth growth and then you know you had a huge cut in interest rates and to, to salvage the economy but that kind of has been a bit of i guess of our hangover from 2008 and now we're in a, a place where we'll kind of have to do it all over again with the covid pandemic and 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 so there's always it seems it seems that the uh you know the the systems of recovery have also like you mentioned the not 0.1 percent the one percent the systems of economic recovery accidentally have enabled this accumulation of wealth and it's almost like you know, we need a reset of a reset of sorts where we say what do we want to prioritize right um i guess you'd agree with that yeah yeah totally and i i think that people have observed from the sort of dominant policy um policy responses from the financial crisis that this just didn't work for people um it it's it's worsened if anything, the problems that existed before. Um, and you've just seen this rise in inequality and and too many people, um, you know, living in this, this relative poverty that, that just really shouldn't, it doesn't need to exist um, in our society. Um, and I think COVID could present an opportunity for um, an overhaul of the systems and it, it could pre- present, you know, um, better outcomes, better economic outcomes for a much broader range um, of people than have traditionally been, been val- valued by economic decisions. Um, and that is a choice that we all make. That is a trade-off. Um, and it's just bringing, bringing to people's attention that, that this is what people are going through, um, you know, in our societies and that something needs to be done to prevent more people um, from falling into these traps um, and it's you know ultimately this 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 can come from a place of altruism we, we depend on other humans uh, we always have done but it's also beneficial to the economy ultimately you, you know you you don't want 
to miss out on the, the lost opportunities. It's it's the, the opportunity cost of if we don't develop our, our human capital, then we're losing out on, on such, you know, incredible resources that we're not utilising. Um, and so there's a kind of colder hearted argument for this as well. It, it's, it's, it's not necessarily just that I'd hope that most people would want a reduction in the amount of people who have to go through a similar um, experience than portrayed in in made, but but there is also the economic argument as well, which um, we are losing out on on so much potential um, by not having a more equitable um, distribution of economic opportunities. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, uh, Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the uh, the bulletin. It's really great to have you. It's really insightful points and. Again, it's really cool how, you know, society and culture can inter- intersect so um, so deeply with econ- economics. And not only is the, I guess, the context of the show made, but the point it makes is very much true of that. And for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And we'll have another episode of The Bulletin by the St. Andrews Economist for you next week. Mm-hmm.